Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life, with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Rollin C. Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this episode of CareCast, Rollin and I will discuss why declining marriage rates are bad for society and could lead to more abortions. So here we are, Rollin. We are podcasting again. Welcome, listeners, to CareCast. Yes, welcome. Yeah, we are excited. Uh, we have a couple of really important things to talk about um, here as the fall is getting started here on the, well, I was going to say on the East Coast, but I guess it turns fall everywhere in the Northern Hemisphere it at the does. same time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a universal principle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. If my meteorological classes were meant anything. Yes. Um, so I never took a meteorological class. I don't even know if that exists. I guess it does. Probably I mean, how does. else do you become a meteorologist? With a class. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a lot of class. So, there you um, go. Yeah, very good. So the fr- what we wanted to t- talk about today was um, we've been seeing a lot of articles recently right. uh, celebrating sort of the decline of marriage, mm-hmm. that our, you know, our society is progressing and, and we're moving away from this outdated institution of marriage. Right. Um, and, of course, the implication there, I, would, I suppose, is that we're progressing towards something that's better right. than a society in which people get married. Right. right, exactly. So, yeah. So uh, let me just give a couple quick stats so people don't think we're just sort of making this up. So um, there was a 2017 study that said that 57% of those aged 21 to 36 have never been married. But in their grandparents' generation, uh, those who are now between the ages of 72 and 89, only 17% of them were never never married at those ages. So wow. we, we went from 17% not married in that age group to 57%. Wow, that's, so that's significant. That's an enormous difference. And so the average age of marriage is currently 27 for women. Right, 29 and, for men. And, and 29 for men, whereas it used to be 21 and 23. So it's gone up uh, six years for women and six years for men. So those are significant changes. I mean, that is a, a dramatic, seismic societal shift. Yeah, it, it really it really is. And I think, you know, to your to your point uh, in terms of the way you started, you know, this, these things are always sort of positioned as like we're going to someplace better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sort of like we left Disneyland and now we're going to. I don't know. Something better than Disneyland. Something better than Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and but it's not defined. Right. In terms of what's what's better. And when you particularly when you look at the data, it's actually not a place that's better. It's actually a place that's worse mm-hmm. uh, in, in so many cases. When you look at this issue from the perspective of father absent homes, I mean, one of the things that uh, certainly uh, issue that you and I worked on for years at National Fatherhood Initiative that, you know, decline in the marriage rate and the increase of the number of kids being born in homes absent their biological fathers. Uh, those two things are, are significant. And then uh, the most intractable social ills uh, from crime, poverty, uh, academic performance, uh, all these different issues that are connected to, you know, mm-hmm. kids growing up in father absent homes, which are much more likely to happen, ob- obviously, uh, with a decline in the marriage rate because folks are still having children, mm-hmm. even though uh, even though they're not married. So yeah. uh, the place that, you know, that we're heading doesn't is not it doesn't seem to be a better place. Yet people still celebrate that we're moving away from marriage. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, OK, but we have to replace it. Presumably, we'd have to replace it with something that's better. Right. And we're just sort of replacing it, frankly, with people delaying marriage, but not delaying childbirth generally, yes. um, or you know, just never getting married at all. Which you know, 
if you're not if you don't have children and you never get married that obviously is not going to create all the problems that we just we, we just talked about but it also it can obviously create other issues yeah. as well like for example we know that married men tend to be less likely to commit crime they tend to earn more money right. et cetera, et cetera. they sort of have you know this it's a societal institution that's designed to sort of contain you know male behavior in a certain way right yeah. it has um, it has that effect you know and, and i think one of the things that marriage does it's pretty significant is it makes you other centered in a way like in a way that other things don't, mm-hmm. yeah. that you that you you know this notion of you know forsaking all others mm-hmm. um, uh, for for your spouse and what that means uh, in terms of society and particularly as a building block for culture, I think is 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 pretty significant. So this other centeredness, I think, is really key in a civil society, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when you have the the, the 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 notion around protecting vulnerable people. If you have a community of other-centered people, they're much more likely to be uh, willing to not sacrifice those vulnerable people for themselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but to sacrifice themselves for those vulnerable people. So I think it's really, I think it's really connected to that in a big, in a big way. Yeah, and I think there's also, frankly, and this is whether you have children or not, um, there's issues connected to, to care for the elderly, right? Absolutely. Because in the past, if you had a spouse and children, then you had people to count on when you got yeah. older to take care of you. Um, so think if you never get married and never have children, right? you're basically going to be relying on pretty expensive institutions in order to take on that burden. Yeah. Um, so it, I think that's all right. And institutions, and institutions don't care right. for you the way that individuals uh, yep. indiv- way that individuals do. You know, I wrote yeah. this piece some, some time ago uh, uh, that was focused on, you know, what I'm sort of framing as, you know, the growth in, in familyless fathers. And familyless fathers, familyless yeah. fathers, yeah. which basically, you know, is, is guys that are so disconnected from from family mm-hmm. uh, that fathers are there so disconnected from family they don't have any of that support uh, that social support network. You know, mm-hmm. the the notion was, hey, you know, that I, um, you know, I'll take care of you when you're young, so that you'll take care of me when I'm old. Mm-hmm. And I right. really had gotten this this observation social contract, right? Social contract, and I really had gotten this observation after spending some time. Um, working, uh, working with uh, some folks who were homeless and some guys who were homeless in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I started asking them questions about their backgrounds and their life. And I followed almost every single one of the guys that was on the street had children and multiple children. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet they were living on the street. And then when I started to ask them sort of questions about, like, how did you get here, uh, the whole deal, it was really sort of like the prodigal father unable to find his way home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys were in their 50s. And mm-hmm. I just started to project forward that – you know, they had broken that social contract, and primarily because they had children outside of wedlock, and also candidly, uh, that disconnection from actually having a wife who wasn't going to be there to support them and and support the family and the whole deal. So, you know, just the social services burden that's going to come from all these guys mm-hmm. uh, after this this sort of the next wave of father absence mm-hmm. is really going to be sort of the children's absence in the father's life because mm-hmm. you weren't there when I was young, so the expectation that I will be there when you are old is not there, and mm-hmm. who's going to take care of these men? Mm-hmm. So that's why I wrote the piece, you know, this yeah. this coming wave of familyless fathers and the impact, the social impact and economic impact mm-hmm. that that's going to have on society and, and communities, which are all linked back to yeah. the decline in, in marriage, which has yeah. uh, started some years ago. Right. So, you know, all that to say is marriage is obviously an extraordinarily important social institution. Um, and the fact that we're running away from it is not a reason to celebrate. And particularly when it comes to our issue, the life issue, we know that 86% of abortions are among unmarried women. So as fewer people are getting married, we're going to be we're going to actually have more of abortion vulnerable 
women out there um, who are going to be considering abortion as a result of not having the father of the child involved in a you know in a deep and intimate way in their life. Uh, so it's only going to create more of an issue around around abortion. Yeah, it absolutely is because we know also from the studies that we've we've done that looked at you know women who had had abortions that when we asked them who did they talk to about their abortion, the number one person in that whole mix was the guy compared to abortion providers, medical professionals, their mother, you know, their their friends, friends all these different folks. And then we asked, well, who's the most influential in your decision to abort? Well, guess who was number one again? It was the guy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all that stuff is really connected. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, it's not just the guy's not saying that I'm, I, I will be a father to the child. Uh, but there's also a driver there in terms of the security for the woman where the guy says, I won't be a husband to you. I won't be a husband to you and I won't be a father to our child. And, uh, and therefore, I'm not for us as a relationship. I'm not for you. And I'm not for the child, and so uh, the the core to three strands, uh, strands, so to speak, is 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 not is not formed, and as a result, you know, women are much less likely to bring their children uh, into the world uh, when they know that uh, there's an opportunity for them to have a scenario that doesn't give them the the maximum level of support. Which obviously, a biological father, you know, who's married to the mother of his child. So he's loving the child and uh, loving uh, the mother of his child, and ideally, from our certainly from a Christian con- construct, loving God as well. We know that that's a cord of three strands, and Scripture says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. It's not easily broken. So, yeah, I think this is a real troubling uh, dilemma uh, for us. Um, the last thing I think I would say about this is I think part of this uh, what's happening with millennials, you know, we have to, in my view, kind of blame on the older generation. Because, um, and I've talked to older folks, and we talk, who will talk down marriage. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been in a marriage and the marriage didn't work out, and they'll just make a generic comment that marriage doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you you have to disaggregate the institution of marriage Mm -hmm. from the individuals who are married. Mm -hmm. So when you say marriage doesn't work, I mean the institution of marriage, which is a covenant relationship where someone's going to love you like no other Mm -hmm. and commit themselves to you. From a, for a life for a lifetime, mm-hmm. and they're going to think of you more highly than themselves. What exactly about that doesn't work? Mm. Right, right, right. As an institution, right? right, right? right. Yeah. Now the individuals may not have worked in the marriage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we tend not to do that. Older mm-hmm. folks tend not to do that when we talk about marriage. We right. tend to not disaggregate our behavior in the marriage mm-hmm. from the institution of marriage. And so I think a lot of young people, they, they those two things are conflated. Mm-hmm, right. My marriage didn't work, and so yeah. Therefore, marriage. Doesn't therefore, work. your marriage probably won't work either. Exactly. Yeah. And so one of the analogies I always give to young people is that you know if, if, if you are coming back past somebody. And they're in a ditch, mm-hmm. right? And on like the highway, right? highway car, or something. Yeah. They're in a car, and they've driven their car into a ditch. And you're like, you stop, and you knock on the window. What happened? And they say, you know, they jump out of the car and they say, "Listen, I'm I'm never driving a, driving a car again." You say, "Well, why not?" Well, they just end up in ditches. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, this car is just it's in the ditch and it hit a tree. The whole thing. I'm never driving a car again. You say, "Well, how did it happen?" Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, I was driving along, and then a text came in. And I just started to decide to answer the text, and and when I answered the text, I kind of took my eye off the road, and I ended up in the ditch. Right. What would you say? You'd say, well, it's not really the car or the driving that's the problem. It was your behavior. It's right. It's it's the user error. So the car in that in that example is like the institution of marriage. A car has certain principles. Mm-hmm. There's a rear room mirror. Right there's a dashboard. There are dials, controls, windshields. There's a gas pedal. There's a brake. All those different things, and those things will work the way they're supposed to work. 
So the institution, so to speak, of marriage works perfectly fine. The question is, right, the user error. Are you texting while you're driving? Right. Right. That kind of thing. Right, right, right. So, and you imagine a person who did that. You say, well, you're crazy. It's not the car's not the problem. It's you drive. You need to drive better. Mm-hmm. And we, a lot of times as older folks, and I put myself in that demographic because I'm not a millennial, older folks don't disaggregate that, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, the institution of marriage from the individuals that are married. And I think a lot of that is being reflected in this, particularly when you look at some of the data that talks about millennials being very afraid of divorce. Mm-hmm. And they're not marrying because they believe that they're going to end up with a divorce and mm-hmm. they've seen how painful that can be for their parents and others mm-hmm. that they know that's not disaggregating mm-hmm. from the institution, from mm-hmm. the individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a couple of the other reasons that um, millennials are giving, and because the interesting thing is that uh, two-thirds of never married millennials still aspire to marriage. Sure. Um, so that's not two-thirds of millennials, that's two-thirds of never married right. millennials. Uh, that are still aspiring to marriage. So it's still an institution that people appear to desire. Uh, But whether real or sort of fabricated barriers are standing in their way uh, around that, they talk about not being financially prepared, uh, not having found the person yet with the qualities that they're looking for, or they're too young and not ready, you know, ready to settle down. Um, so there, there's a lot of, a lot of issues there that, you know, we could talk for hours about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bottom line is, um, our culture needs to do, and, and as you said, older married individuals, right. uh, uh, and unmarried, frankly, need to do a better job of, you know, talking about the benefits of marriage, celebrating marriage, um, and really just sort of, hi- sort of highlighting, uh, the, the benefits that it has to individuals and to society. I mean, if you really think about it, you never really hear that story being told anywhere, that what a great institution marriage is in terms of outcomes for people, outcomes for children, yep. you know, this elder care issue we talked about. I mean, exactly. Have, where, do you, have you ever heard that argument made I by know. anyone? Exactly. And, yeah. and, and the crazy thing is that when you, you look at the different surveys, where they actually survey people who are married, mm-hmm. The vast majority of people who are married Mm -hmm. and they're asked how satisfied are they with marriage, they're highly satisfied. Yeah, I think it's like something like 80% of people who are married consider themselves to be happy in their marriage. Exactly. But somehow this cultural thing, like it's, 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 well, but when I go out in the public square, I got to, oh, the old ball and chain, I got, I got to use these, you know, derogatory ways of talking about that. A a young guy tells you he's going to get married. Oh, oh, you're going to have the old ball and chain, the whole thing. I'm going home to my ball and chain. I mean, so we talk it down in the public square as older people a lot of the times when we're benefited in a a private sphere. Right, right, right. And uh, and I think a lot of millennials and young people are hearing that and and I think as a result are having an unrealistic um, perspective about marriage. And I think one of the things that we can do, you know, as folks who are older and who have been married, talk about marriage in a positive way and cast that vision for younger people. Not unrealistic that there, that there are challenges, it's not work, but but to talk about it realistically and talk about it holistically in terms of the value that it brings to you as an individual, the value that it brings to your children, and then also the value that it brings to society at large. Yeah. And, and that's a great way to kind of close this out, which is essentially why CareNet is a yeah. pro-abundant life organization. Absolutely. Because we, we see the value of the institution of marriage in obviously reducing the number of abortions, but also creating a, a situation in which children thrive, in which adults thrive, in which creates abundant life for, for people. Amen. Um, so that's what, we need to, that's what we need to be talking about. So great. great. Thanks, Ron. Great conversation. Yes, absolutely. Take care. 
We hope you enjoyed that discussion about why declining marriage rates are bad for society and could lead to more abortions. We hope you join us for the next episode of CareCast.